African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, you tuned to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. And my name is Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today on the program, we once again collaborate with the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. Today, we'll look at the relationship between the arts and journalism. And we find uh, really uh, arts journalism where it is in contemporary society. But right now, we have our news with Anne Musa. In the headlines, the International Criminal Court combines the trials of former Ivorian President Laurent Gbagbo and his close ally Charles Bregaud. At least 41 people have been killed in a road accident in Tanzania and governments are being urged to find urgent interventions to stop sexual exploitation of children. Good morning. The International Criminal Court has decided to combine the trials of former Ivorian President Laurent Gbagbo and his close ally Charles Blagod. This because their cases alleging post-election violence are nearly identical. Gbagbo's refusal to concede defeat after the 2010 presidential polls sparked a bloody five-month standoff in which some 3,000 people died. During the conflict, Blagod whipped up support for the incumbent with speeches urging mass mobilization against what he called pro-Watara rebels and the foreign backers. Libyan political parties and other political figures have concluded a two-day meeting in the Algerian capital, Algiers. Head of the UN support mission in Libya, Bernardino Leon, briefed the participants on the Libyan political dialogue he's mediating. He reiterated the United Nations' resolve to continue the dialogue to end the factional fighting that has plagued the country since former President Muammar Gaddafi was overthrown nearly four years ago. At least 41 people have been killed and dozens injured when a bus and a truck collided on a busy road in southwestern Zania. The truck was heading from the town of Mbeya to Dar es Salaam, while the bus was heading in the opposite direction. Government spokesperson Asa Muambweni says many bodies were scattered on a hillside near the scene of the accident in an area called Mafinga. 
Governments around the world are being urged to urgently take action to stop sexual abuse and other forms of exploitation of children. The Special Rapporteur on the Sale of Children, Child Prostitution and Child Pornography presented her report to the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. Maud de Bourbaroshine pointed out that persisting and new forms of sale and sexual exploitation of children continue in all regions of the world. Millions of children are subjected to sexual abuse and exploitation, being sold and trafficked to be prostituted, subject to forced labor, illegal adoption, or for the transfer of organs. Child abuse material continues to be produced, distributed, offered, sold, and consumed online and offline. There is an urgent need for all stakeholders, especially member states, to pass to action to put an end to these endemic crimes. The Secretary-General of the Interparliamentary Union, Martin Shongong, says women's equal participation and decision-making in all sectors of society is a must. Chungong was speaking at an event on Parliament's for gender equality on the margins of the Commission on the Status of Women. The 59th session is continuing in New York and is focusing on progress made in promoting equality since the Beijing Women's Conference 20 years ago. Chungong says women are still underrepresented in senior government positions. Women's equal participation in decision-making is a must. Worldwide, 78% of parliamentarians, 93% of elected heads of state, 82% of government ministers, and 95% of corporate executives are men. Enough said. We obviously need more women in leadership positions and decision-making bodies in all sectors, in politics and in the economic and social spheres. Recapping the top stories, the International Criminal Court combines the trials of former Ivorian President Lohong Bagpo and his close ally Charles Brugut. At least 41 people have been killed in a road accident in Tanzania and governments are being urged to find urgent interventions to stop sexual exploitation of children. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, online, thank you for joining us as well. You're listening to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. As I mentioned that today we are actually collaborating once again. It's our second uh, week uh, speaking to the Cape Town International Jazz Festival and uh, today we're looking at the relationship between arts and journalism and where the industry of arts journalism finds itself in contemporary South Africa. Music journalism is quickly becoming a dying art in mainstream media outlets in South Africa with the country's newspaper and online news platforms shredding away the sections of art, dance, film and live performance reviews. The conversation of new music and reflecting 
reflecting on the past of uh, South African music has now unfortunately been removed on the peripheries of the blogosphere and independent online world. An unfortunate, an unfortunate situation persists in a country so rich in the current vibrancy where new movements of music are in jazz, South African hip-hop and cultural variations of music remain underdocumented. Now bringing back this conversation of the relationship between music and the written word is the Cape Town International Jazz Festival by hosting a public reading and panel discussion led by art journalist Pesi Mabandu. But also, uh, what's great about this uh, particular uh, Cape Town Jazz International Festival is that it really does have an arts journalism program which really, really helps uh, arts journalists to actually pursue their careers. But to look at this particular topic today, we are joined in studio by Fiona Lloyd, who is a journalist and media trainer, and also we'll speak to Persima Bandu, an arts writer and journalist, and Peter McKins, who's also uh, heading the photojournalism course in the Cape Town uh, International Jazz Festival. Fiona, thank you for joining us in studio. It's great to be here, Benjamin. Thanks for the invitation. Fantastic. Now, tell us a little bit about your history. When I was talking to you a little bit earlier, you were telling me about your career and where you started from Zimbabwe in arts and culture journalism. Tell me more about it. Well, uh, I'm Southern African, really, rather than South African, because I grew up in Zimbabwe Mm. and I learned my trade in the early days of independence in the 1980s. And it was the most amazing time, incredibly vibrant, full of energy. Mm. Um, The country had emerged out of a really terrible, bitter civil war, liberation Mm. struggle. And suddenly it was like the clouds had lifted and we were part of a whole new independent country. And people were rediscovering um, what art and culture meant to Mm. their whole identity. So there was this outpouring of literature. That was the time of the late great Dambudzo Marachera, Shima Chinojka, wonderful novel about the war, uh, Harvest of Thorns, Stalin Yamfukudza, Charles Mungoshi, you know, the list goes on. And at the same time, this flowering of music. So people like Thomas Matfumo, Oliver Mtukudzi, who of course is headlining at the Jazz Festival too with Brahu Masekela. It was all happening. And those of us that were part of the radio scene there were lucky enough to be uh, just in this kind of seething cauldron of creativity and trying to tell stories about it yeah Yeah. and making sense of it and 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 trying to relay that excitement to Mm. our listeners and and what was the lesson for you in terms of that relationship of your work as a journalist and Mm. uh, the music industry and also how it's also related to the transitions in our political lives Mm -hmm. well i think as arts journalists Mm. we are there to kind of create a bridge Mm. between two worlds in a way but the worlds are connected anyhow but our job I think is to bring that excitement that vibrancy the questions the issues Mm. and to be part of that conversation Mm. um, and to get people excited and to help people to understand what arts and culture means to everyday lives it's not something that's rarefied or out there it's part of who we are Mm, definitely now Mm. let's introduce Pesima Bandu arts writer and journalist actually I used to work at a community radio station with Pesima Bandu. We went to the same uh, uh, Technicon and uh, I never thought that when we were working for this radio station I'd be interviewing Pesima <laughs> Bandu. But hey, there we go. Percy, thank you for joining us on the program. <laughs> no, thanks for having me, Ben. It's uh, 
Well, we, we used to we used to mock do these interviews back in the day. Now it's happening for real. <laughs> Definitely. Now, Percy, you're currently working on a book revisiting one of the most well-known South African jazz standards, Kalinkoma by the saxophonist uh, Winston Mangungungozi. Tell us a little bit more about this project, and we'll talk a little bit about your dialogue, but tell us about your project first. Well, I mean, the idea is that, uh, you know, I've been working for a while as, as in the journalism world and I was for a project that sort of, you know, catapulted me to the next level of seriousness the craft. And, you know, this basically a much more sustained narrative, longer, you know, newspapers. The longest you'll get these days is 1.5, if you're, <laughs> if you're lucky. So I was trying to see whether I, I have imbibed enough skill from the likes of Fiona really shaped me into, you know, into something a bit of a professional, see whether I could sustain a narrative for that length. And I wanted to, to deal with, with a subject that's close to my heart, of course, jazz it is, and, and, and something that could have a semblance of national importance. Mm. And this is where Mankunku, Mankunku's <coughs> historic album, recorded in 1968, you know, and, and has, you know, become a standard, as you, as you pointed out earlier. Uh, it is also, you know, it has became the unofficial anti-apartheid anthem, if you will, in, in the jet-drenched township mm-hmm. of, you know, in the length and breadth of our land. Mm. And also, Percy, in terms of... Uh just uh, the conversation that you're trying to analyze here. And it's a very um, interesting stance that you're taking because you're not looking at a biography. You're really focusing on a song in itself and you're actually taking a new direction in terms of your style of writing. Why that particular approach? Well, I, I thought that I thought that we become important not, not simply because we, were, we, we existed. We become important as individuals because of the contributions we make, so so that you know you remember Michelangelo because of the work he did on the Sistine Chapel, not because he was born. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of us are equal at best, mm. uh, but it's our contributions that distinguish us. And huh. and in, in in that conversation, um, the object that creates our importance <coughs> sort of falls back when the individual person becomes celebrated. So I wanted to focus more on on Mankunku's work. You know, his his defining uh, piece of work, the Kalingomo, which, you know, as I, as I, as I pointed out, um, or as, I, as I explored in the book, it, you know, I, it goes beyond the world of music. You know, the Kalingomo has, you know, has um, a life in literature because while he wrote, you know, wrote a anthology, an anthology of poetry in 1972 mm-hmm. as a result, Dumila mm-hmm. the uh, visual artist, also produced, you know, uh, an amount of drawings and work as a result of the song. And it has gone on to be, you know, uh, to have effects in, even in theater later on and so on. So, so it becomes something of, of um, you know, of a real masterpiece that has a life beyond its inten- intended audience mm. segment. Mm. Uh, and of course, I mean, it's political connotations, you know, that speak to what the world is going through, not just South Africa, but the world is going through in 1968, and throughout the years, what it has come to, to represent. So mm. I'm sort of explore that. But also, you know, you cannot talk about that without, you know, also sort of exploring the man that, that created it. So in, in there, of course, by speaking about the work, by implication, you will have to explore the man. Yeah. But I, I try and talk about him 
as, he, as, as a microcosm, if you will, or as, or as a symbol and a coagulation of the meaning of every man, okay. every black male figure uh, going through the emasculation of the first removal, you know, having, being mm, a father mm, or a mm. son and witnessing the destruction of your home during the first removal, which is the time that Mankunku grows up and, and actually, you know, threshes out the song. Mm. And also, you know, being just a regular human being in that time, what are you going through? And so that whatever I arrive at as, as the defining feature of a, people's, a person's humanity is articulated also in the song's spirit. Mm. Well, I, I want to explore that kind of theme because, um, like Percy was highlighting as he started his narrative about this particular project he's working on, he actually cited you, Fiona, and <laughs> said, hey, uh, I'm actually uh, grateful for the likes of Fiona Lloyd. Uh, and he was part of this particular uh, arts training program, part of the Cape Town International Jazz Program. Let's let's look at the program itself, uh, about what it entails, what it looks at, some of the themes that it highlights before we move on and I speak to Peter McKenzie who's also sure. waiting on the line show. Well, first of all, it's just lovely to hear your voice, Percy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, I've, I'm so looking forward to that panel discussion and I'm also so excited that you're going to be part of our conversation um, in the Mentoring Arts Journalism mm-hmm. program as well because, yeah. you know, the, com- the word conversation, Benjamin, has mm-hmm. been mentioned a lot in yes, the last yes, few minutes yes. and I think that that really encapsulates what um, the arts journalism training program is all about Mm. uh, at the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. It's about dialogue. It's about listening to each other. It's about sparking each other off with ideas. Mm. And in these kind of situations, I think as trainers or facilitators, whatever we might be, Mm. it's important to see ourselves as collaborators. So Percy and I worked together. Um, It was a wonderful group of young journalists at the Mail and Guardian. Um, Mm. Does that seem like a long time ago now, Percy? (laughs) (laughs) Not a lifetime, no? But, you know, to me, that's what it's all about. It's about collaborating. And as trainers, we are part Mm. of of that growing. And we learn as well, as much as as the so-called trainees who Mm. are not that uh, do as well. So uh, to come back to the Cape Town Jazz Festival training, um, I really wish that our colleague Gwen Ansell, the Mm. wonderful Gwen Ansell, Mm. who's writing, many of your listeners will know, um, but who's also a fantastic trainer and uh, and has been really at the heart and uh, core of the Cape Town Jazz Festival training for the Mm. last 12 years. Mm. So Gwen has been running the so-called foundation course, the arts journalism course, um, which brings together usually about 15 to 20 sometimes Mm. uh, journalists from all areas of South Africa, print, radio, not sure about TV. I think sometimes, uh, you know, there's been those people as well. And she takes them through the foundation side of things. And then once every two, three years, there's also funding to do MADGE, which is what I'm uh, working with, the Mentoring Arts Journalism Program. And with that one, we take people who are already experienced, established arts journalists from South Africa. This year we have also somebody from Uganda, somebody from Botswana, which is lovely. Mm. Conversation broadens. 
And what we do in that class, it's a kind of a master class, and we all go on a journey and we look at what does learning mean, what does, what does training, coaching, mentoring really mean in mm. the most creative sense of that word, mm. because it is all about creativity, yeah. whether you're a trainer, a writer, or an artist. Yeah. Um, and the people in my group, my group, so-called, <laughs> <laughs> um, then get to practice their new skills, their new ways of teaching and, and starting conversations with the people in Gwen's training so it's all very very practical very Uh, experiential very exciting and it's a journey of discovery and i love it because whenever i run a training of trainers i learn more than the people yeah and also called trainees we we have peter mckenzie on the line who does the photojournalism Mm -hmm. course and when you think about uh uh, the uh, really documentation especially in in south africa of uh, music and arts it's been rich in terms of photojournalism Uh, peter can you uh hear us there thank you for joining us here on the program Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. Peter, tell me about yourself and uh, just a little bit about how you involved as well into this particular uh, um, uh, festival and your aspects of uh, photojournalism and how you incorporate them into this particular course. Well, I think um, it really grows out the fact that I'm a, a real jazz junkie and a real <laughs> jazz groupie. And as always been, I think it's something that motivated my career as a photographer uh, I always say to my younger students that I became a, a photographer because I wasn't good enough to be a musician. And so the uh, photography was one way I kept in touch and was able to stay in close contact with musicians because I just think that in terms of uh, creative discipline, musicians just have a, a really another approach, another way of, of looking at their art um, that, that is really uh, has a, a fantastic synergy for me with photography in terms of improvisation. And, uh, and the many, many parallel characteristics of a musician that uh, that I think that we draw on during the course, and I think that this is what uh, the seminar actually aims to do: is to is to is to is to, is to, is to mentor uh, younger photographers mm. into a way of thinking about how they're going to photograph jazz instead of the technique of photographing jazz. So what we do is we drive the notion of concept, concept. What is the relationship between photography and the society, how did jazz actually reflect on the different modes and the different genres in different ethoses that existed in the country uh, during apartheid and post-apartheid, and I'm glad that uh, Percy speaks about uh, Winston Mankunku because I think hearing lies a, a kind of a classical example of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. and the, the photographs that we see from that era who were done by the really the illuminaries of photography, Alf Kamalo, mm. Jürgen Schadeberg, David Goldblatt, and all, and all of the various people that were active during that time, Peter Magubani, mm. uh, Mike Zeleni, all of these photographs, they had a particular type of aesthetic, a particular type of feel that I think was gleaned from more from, I would say, from uh, a Western aesthetic. And we, we're asking ourselves continuously in the photojournalism workshop, mm. is if the dynamic, if the dynamic of the society has changed. Why isn't it that photography and its aesthetic hasn't kept abreast of those changes and actually started to break out of the conventional, smoky, uh, room-lit profile from musicians? <laughs> I'm not knocking these pictures at all. They're yeah. fantastic, classically. But I think we live, in a, we live in a society now where, one, it's my personal opinion, and a lot of people kill me for saying this, but I think that one of the things about music, and certainly about your jazz music, 
is the younger generation of jazz musicians who are playing the music that I'm really um, amazed at. Mm. I'm amazed at their creative depth. I'm amazed at the synergy between the musicians. I'm amazed at the, the artistic process on stage and, 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 and what drives and motivates the music. So we try to emulate that in the Portuguese workshop and saying, well, if, they, if these young lions of jazz have moved on and have actually created another vernacular, if you like, in the way that they're presenting jazz and the way they're reflecting society through jazz music, mm. and we need to change the way that we see it as well. And so the, the week is preoccupied with thinking about new aesthetics, new ways, and, and really innovative ways. And I think if you look at the past uh, uh, three years of the existence of the photojournalism workshop, I think there's been a steady progression in that direction that actually is starting to manifest itself. You can't learn everything in a week, but we certainly offer yeah. in a week the maximum possibility to go out and photograph musicians, interact with them, listen to them, working from a concept more that the more you understand the context of musicians and how they create, and you will understand more is what the output on stage is. And so I think to that end, we really just is uh, the, the, the course is based on maximizing the possibility to, um, to, to interact with the musicians, both in a, in a personal way, but also uh, uh, through the medium of photography. Yeah. And I just got to take this moment to say that there's a, there are really few places left in the photojournalism workshop mm. for the week. So if anybody out there is listening and wants to come and join an exciting week, it's real, real value for money in terms of what you're going to get and access to the to the festival itself. So just please get in touch with us as soon as possible. Fantastic. Now, we're going to take a little break, and I wanted to, us to take this conversation a little bit forward and look at uh, the space we find ourselves in arts and uh, uh, culture, journalism, whether it's photography or through the written word. Where are we right now? Where's South Africa? And I know that uh, as a person who kind of tried to explore the area of music journalism and arts journalism, uh, we are seeing a little bit of a change in dynamics where uh, online news platforms or newspapers are shredding away those sections of art, dance, film and live performance reviews and who sets the agenda on uh, how much we should be reading about art and how much we should be reading about culture and music. Uh, on the line we have Persima Boundary, an arts writer and journalist in studio. We've got Fiona Lloyd, a journalist and a media trainer and Peter McKenzie is also joining us. Uh, he's also involved in the photojournalism course of uh, the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. Let's have a little break and we'll be back after this. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
You are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. And I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You're with me for this particular hour. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us online, thank you for joining us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Welcome to us there online. Uh, today we're looking at the relationship between arts and journalism and where the arts journalism industry is finding itself in contemporary South Africa. And I read a great piece last year by uh, Miles Keylock from the Mail and Guardian. We've been citing the Mail and Guardian a lot of times <laughs> today. But uh, he was highlighting that professional music journalism amounts to little more uh, than bland blurb length reviews and cheeky Twitter copy captions to glossy paparazzi photos of celebs. And I thought that was hilarious <laughs> when I read that piece of his. And I, I think uh, great publications have either been discontinued that look at arts and media, arts and media and and culture, and some content has been minimized in newspaper. Uh, just from a personal perspective, I want to cry sometimes thinking of uh, a magazine I used to love in my young days, Why Mag, which was brilliant in the early 2000s and pushing youth culture in the forefront. The Sunday Times lifestyle section has become a two-pager uh, from an in-depth platform for lifestyle pieces. And we're also seeing other national newspapers doing the same. Uh, are we seeing the deaths of arts criticism and arts critiquing and taking away the job of the photojournalists who's maybe interested in other forms of journalism, either the news? Percy Mabandu, you are an arts writer and, and a journalist. Tell us a little bit about your experiences in this particular industry. Well, I mean, then um, part of part of the, the challenge that the media landscape is, is facing is the changing nature of uh, the technology that it operates within. So that when, um, say, around 10, 15 years ago, you know, uh, websites were just just starting out to blossom onto the scene, and so newspapers were selling slightly more because they were generally the only. Um, you know, for the most part, the only place where you could get news of this kind. Mm. But what the internet has done has just sort of democratized opinion on on culture and everything else. In you know um, that 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 is the folder of media, so that it generally has is not as profitable as it was. Mm. You know, to have large. Uh, staff members on on your team and whatnot. Mm. So the the, monet, the the process by which media is monetized uh, is undergoing strain, and it's been called to reevaluate itself and, and and really figure out how how to make the business viable. That being said, uh, what the internet has done also is that you know uh, I don't need to be employed by a major newspaper in order to participate in the grand festival of ideas around mm-hmm. what it means mm-hmm. uh, to be, you know, having um, cultural output. Of course, because there are bills to be paid, it becomes uh, <laughs> uh, much, <laughs> much, much yeah. more challenging. But it's a, it's a call to creativity, really. Mm. Um, I imagine, you know, when when the press was newly invented, um, the, the, the people who were the only sources of information, you know, felt a bit uneasy about their future. Um, so I think this is what the media is going through. That being said, what it has resulted in as well is, you know, a friend of mine was saying that we are we are under the onslaught of the tyranny of popular taste, uh, where, <laughs> you know, the, 
there isn't much depth uh, that's out there because it's you know um, you can get that in a blog so that you know newspapers just you know focus on the stuff that will guarantee advertising you mm, know, so mm. that the lifestyle the lifestyle as opposed to cultural writing uh, blossoms mm. but um, I think I think this thing you know in, in my view works in pendulum form I think it will swing back into in, into shape once you know us as, as people who made because journalism you know, art journalism is not a beast in the mountain that comes down from the hills to do <laughs> things in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, art journalism is us, is all of us mm-hmm. who, who participate, all of us who read, all of us who write, you know, mm-hmm. like you and me right now. Mm-hmm. We are art journalism. And I think once we've figured out what it is that needs to be done, you know, with the new technologies, mm-hmm. with Twitter, with Facebook, and what is the role of the so-called art journalist mm-hmm. when anybody can just open up a blog and really... Uh, you know, publish their own their opinions of of, of cultural output that's out there. Mm. You know, once we figure that out, then I think it will will make sense of where, where to from now. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not very I'm not spooked. You know, um, I know there's a sense of alarm out there about and whatnot, but I think um, I've, I've I mean I haven't I haven't had a formal job so to speak since since you know almost a year now, and mm. and I'm really doing fine. So mm. you, you as I'm saying, it's a it's a um, it's, it's a call to creativity. We have mm. to think about how we locate ourselves in in the grander thing. It's it's a sign of the age. Mm, definitely, and 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 Fiona, with you earlier on, we we're speaking about the training aspect yes. of journalism yes. and 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 how that's also changing in its yes. dynamics. You were a trainer in uh, in media in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experiences in that regard. Well, um, I love what I do, and mm. and I think as a trainer or a coach or a mentor, you are also part of the creative process mm. because training isn't about imparting knowledge really it's not that's that's dead kind of learning isn't mm, it it's mm. the kind of learning that we don't remember and means nothing but if we can see ourselves as part of that creative process um, and that means being able to listen being able to be alert and present with the people who destiny brings us <laughs> at that moment to, to that training or that seminar or whatever then 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 that can also be part of what percy so beautifully called the great festival of ideas yes, yes. Um, and so it's about shifting power i think a lot of this is about shifting power in mm. a good way mm. um the great journalism professor uh, jay rosen has this wonderful phrase about the people formerly known as the audience mm. <laughs> and how now with the spaces that are open to us as percy was talking about we all have the ability to create our own media again as percy says that ain't going to pay the bills (laughs) but if you trust i think you know if you trust you get out there you can make a living you can do it Mm. you're going to hustle a bit more Mm. than you used to Mm. do but at the same time in mainstream media you've got to fight you've Mm. got to fight to get those stories out there and i wonder if there isn't a lot of dumbing down um, by editors and and sort of gatekeepers and the people that own the businesses, mm, mm. Uh, do, do we do do they underestimate what people actually want, mm. and why are newspapers not actually connecting much more with the blogosphere? Mm. In in a newspaper, I'd like to get a sense of what's out there in the blogosphere because mm. I can't travel mm. in so many places all you know well, at once, mean, yeah. and there's so much richness out there, the kind of writing that's happening. But again, with the dumbing down, and I feel this is something as trainers we we need to be able to 
um, help empower the yeah, people we yeah. train to, to champion their own voice and not be ashamed of their own unique way of writing mm. because I think even that's being dumbed down uh, I don't know what Percy would feel about this and, and not mm. sort of naming names of anything mm. of any publications but I wonder Percy if you've, <laughs> if you've had challenges in this way mm. you know where, where you're, the, the prose that you've worked on suddenly gets kind of squashed into mm. two dimensions mm. by some over eager person who thinks that, well we love <laughs> They're part of the great festival yes, ideas yes, too. They are, they are. <laughs> but at the same time, there are huge pressures on them. Yes, you know, yes. there's, there's supposed to be kind of a, a style, a house style. Mm, but yeah. does this not dumb down the, the vibrancy of what it means to be a South African or a Southern African mm. or a Zimbabwean or a Zambian mm. arts journalist writing about culture that excites you? Mm, Percy, am I hitting on something here? Mm. <laughs> well, let's move on to Peter. <laughs> Ooh, let's, let's move on, let's move on I, to. I, I, I mean, I've, I've come up against this, the so-called the dumb it down brigade, <laughs> as it were, and, and it, it really, it really is real. I think you know, it, often there's this, you know, uh, you know, the readers won't understand it, and and in, often I find that people confuse <laughs> their own literacy levels and their own ignorance, if you will. With that of the readers, I think you know I've I've always argued that the readers are much more complex than each you know the the dummy down brigade think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I think what what really happens in any case when a newspaper lands on a table, this example I give all the time, when a newspaper lands on a, on the table on Sunday, uh, in in a home, um, you know, on a Sunday paper, for instance, different sections, you know, the you know the the kids will also you know pull the entertainment, you know, what's happening on TV. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the dad or the uncle will, will pull the politics. One will pull the the the, the soccer and sports. Mm, you know, mm. so so all of us will, will have you know a different relationship to the to the single paper that's chunky. Mm. Uh, and 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 the, what what represented there is different levels of literacy and different levels of seriousness in terms of the demand of content yes, and and what's written. I agree. But but you know the editorial approach seems to be more and more homogenization of, mm. of who the reader is, you know, mm. that, uh, you know, a reader that's one-dimensional, uninterested in, 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 in complex ideas, you mm. know, uh, and, and I think that is what's scary about it. But I think um, what that only does is that it, it actually makes platforms irrelevant because uh, I think when people want something to read, they will find it. And, mm. you know, all we have to do as, as participants or as activists in the media game is to do, continue doing great work and putting it where people can find it, you know. Mm. You know, if you just write it and just, as Fiona says, just find it, you can put it out there. Mm. You know, there's Twitter now, there's different ways of accessing all mm. So if somebody else will not cater for, for that, it's the grand, you know, uh, market market game. Mm. You have to find a way of getting that content to them. Yeah, I want to find out Peter's views on this because photojournalism is also an interesting thing. I don't think he's... I wonder if he's seen a change and a shift in terms of how uh, pictures are are now reflected on online and online is also a different game because now you can post more images than you could on a newspaper, for instance, on one subject. What have you seen, Peter, in terms of photojournalism right now in in media and and the trends that you are seeing in the world of photojournalism? Well, when something speaks about the democratization of the media and journalism, I think nothing is more evident uh, than that, and that in, in photography, because nowadays everybody is a photographer. 
everybody makes images. And I think that's a real fantastic development is that through this process of making the, the process of photography uh, uh, um, uh, accessible to much more people, that means there's become a deeper understanding of what it entails mm. to, 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 to make a photograph, how they can be shared, how they can communicate. And so there's a vast new paradigm of thinking about how photographs can, can, can communicate. And I think the, 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 the crucial thing for, certainly for professional photographers, I'm not going to word too much, but photographers who are out there who want, maybe are, are wanting to communicate on a more national and global issue about uh, uh, photographs, there is an incredible need for us to up our game, for us to make our photographs stand out above the, the masses, so to speak, uh, that we actually start to think about new ways, and I referred to that earlier, mm. of looking at the world, of translating our reality to different uh, 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 um, possible perspectives uh, visually. But I think it's really important for me at this point in time is that people who are going to embark on this new context environment for making photographs accessible uh, uh, really, really understand that it takes that much bigger effort now to think about going forward about how we compose photographs, how they're going to mm-hmm. put together as um, and continuously guarding against the idea that photography is actually in the service department of the print world because mm-hmm. that's a perception that's very, very difficult to break and that still exists in a, a, a lot of uh, newspapers. You know, a journalist walks into a uh, into uh, a situation where you can interview someone and says, meet my photographer. Well, now when I walk in with a journalist, I say, meet my journalist. You <laughs> put these, 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 these skills, if you like, and these, these skills basis on the same footing so that we actually start to have a voice that's effective and kind of raises its voice above the maddening crowd, so to speak. Mm, but I think it's really a fantastic innovation in two ways is that one, yes, we can get our work out there much, 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 much easier mm-hmm. and to be viewed. And, and secondly, in, in, uh, as, a, as, a, as a response to that, is that younger photographers do now not have any excuse about having access to the photography of the world. So you can go and see exactly how the photograph in jazz in Timbuktu if you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's really, really important that the resource actually informs, educates, and both skills uh, in both ways that we're actually looking for it. But I think the, what's left is, uh, to say is, is that really what we continuously need to strive to do is to, to uh, personally reference about great work, is continue to do great work. Mm. It's always a photograph that I call that they must be so well composed that they're uncoppable. You can't, because it's just one of the biggest a whale, if you like, in photography. You send a photograph of three people and uh, some uh, visually challenged sub-editors who think, well, mm. you know, the two guys on the left look great and just crop them out. And, and that's, a, that's a, a really big problem because mm. when somebody does that, when they manipulate your photographs, when they squeeze it into two columns mm. uh, where they should have gone into three, I always say to editors, that's not my photograph. I didn't <laughs> make that photograph. I made the photograph for three people in it. Yeah, so don't yeah. put my name underneath it. And it, it's really... You would think something that should be really taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, configuration in the publication of photographs just gets 
overlooked. And in fact, in Uras, I think Cape has already the people that have asked us. You know, we, we've submitted stuff for people to use, and uh, they've been brutalized, I would mm. say. Mm-hmm. So we try to safeguard against that, and it seems like we can, it's an ongoing battle, which is uh, a noble one that we we really, really need to contribute to fight. Mm. Fiona, let's end the program mm. with you. Uh, maybe we can be able to go back to Percy and Peter. Let's see, because we only have limited space of time. I'm kind of optimistic. I was kind yeah. of dialed down with my intro. Hey, <laughs> there's less spaces for us to have this particular yeah. exploration of arts journalism. But hey, kind of, there's an upbeat mo- motion that Definitely. we're going into in terms of there's still potential in, in, in this field. Times of change are also times of opportunity. Mm. And I think we're hearing that really clearly from both Percy mm. and Peter. Peter just said, now's the time for us all to up our game. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's absolutely true. Whether you're telling your stories through writing, through photographs, mm. through film, through radio, also being part of that festival of ideas as a trainer mm. and, and helping people to become more confident to be themselves and to fight for their stories mm. and to fight for those voices to be mm. heard, their own voices too in those newsrooms. Yeah. I also love what Peter said, and I think this is a very positive sign, that you know when things start to break down, entrenched systems start to break down, mm. then all sorts of spaces open up for, for positive dialogue. Mm. And I think the partnership between photojournalists and writers is one wonderful example of that. Mm. Uh, you know, in, in, when I was growing up in the days when dinosaurs walked the earth but we're learning my trade <laughs> yeah. you it was very rare to actually be able to speak with the person who mm. would be doing the photographs f- for the story that you might then be working on it was a it was a kind of apartheid almost in the newsroom <laughs> okay, yeah, people yeah, yeah. didn't speak to each other yeah, yeah. um but you know some of us tried to break that informally and mm. and i think now it's much more recognized that if you collaborate if you collaborate together, the, the, the total story that you tell together is going to be so much more than the sum of its parts. Mm. And I think subversion is a great, great thing to be able to do in any shape or form. It's what art is all about, isn't it? Mm, definitely, yeah. Now, we've run out of time. It's 11.45, <laughs> but it has been a very productive conversation. I enjoyed it very much so. But uh, just to go back to this uh, particular um, uh, talk that's going to be taking place at the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. It's titled the Yakalinkomo Portrait of a Jazz Classic, and it will be taking place on Wednesday, the 25th of March. It'll be taking place 13:45 to 15:45 Central African time. And just to cite, hey, there's also the Cape Town Arts Journalism Program that we've been highlighting here, and the Arts Journalism Public Event, which is all taking place. And all of these aspects that we've highlighted today will be discussed at the Cape Town uh, International Jazz Festival. I think it's awesome that uh, these aspects of uh, the festival are actually incorporated. It's not just uh, an event of performance, but it's really a social element to uh, this particular festival. I want to thank Pesima Boundu, uh, art writer and journalist. I also want to thank Fiona Lloyd for coming into studio, for joining us, a journalist and media trainer. Peter McKenzie, thank you as well, photojournalist and also photojournalism trainer at the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. Thank you all for joining us on the program. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great. Now that's how we wrap it up. It's 11.46. Let's move on quickly. Uh, We're signing Matebula standing by with our economics news.
Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. Four of the executive of South African Power Utility ESCOM, including CEO Tidi Somatona, have been suspended. ESCOM Chairperson Zola Tzoti has established a commission of inquiry to probe the operations of the power utility. Tzoti has been addressing an unplanned media briefing at ESCOM's headquarters in Johannesburg. We have asked these executives to step aside so that they can allow this process without being in their positions to, to proceed and to work well. And even though we have invoked the term suspension, there is no intent or suspicion of wrongdoing. So there are no charges. Meanwhile, ESCOM says it's in the process of engaging the necessary expertise to deal with the newly established Commission of Inquiry. Chairperson Zolatsozi says in the interim, ESCOM has appointed a lawyer to coordinate the Commission of Inquiry. He will assist the team to bring in the requisite expertise. And I may add, too, that the board has assigned the Audit and Risk Committee to oversee this exercise on behalf of the board. So institutionally, we feel we're pretty much set up to proceed as expeditiously as possible to get this inquiry going. West Africa now in Cameroon, where the country has renewed the operating license of Africa's largest telecoms provider, MTN. South Africa's MTN, Cameroon's leading mobile provider, with nearly 10 million subscribers, or about 60% of the market share, says it paid $125 million for the license, which also allows it to deploy optical fiber cables. MTN says the license is renewed for 15 years up until February 2030. Kenya's Diamond Trust Bank Group as pretext profit has jumped 18% last year to $92.74 million. The mid-tier bank, which also operates in Tanzania, Uganda and Burundi, says loans climbed while net interest income increased. Other Kenyan banks, including the largest lender by depositors, Equity Bank, and the biggest by assets, KCB, have also posted profit increases of just under 20%, boosted by a strong economic growth in Kenya and the wider East African region. Brent crude oil climbing to above $58 a barrel for the second straight session as speculators cover their positions ahead of the April contract expiry. Geopolitical tensions in the Middle East and North Africa are also in support of crude futures. Brent for April delivery is up $0.61 cents to $58 after gaining $1.15 or 2% in the previous session in a rebound from a one-month low. A general look at the markets, uh, the dollar at uh, 12.31 South African rands at 9.88 Botswana Pulas and uh, at 7.14 Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.652 the British pound and 0.89 against the euro. Moving now to commodities, gold $1,152, platinum $1,111, a fine ounce Brent crude oil at $57.85 per barrel. That's how it's looking. Thank you very much, Wisani. Let's move on to Figile Lingwati with our sports.
Now, as per update, it's our kicking off with football news. Portugal-based South Africa's under-20 midfielder, Tlotlolia Bile, says the devastating defeat to Ghana in the opening match of the CAF under-20 African Youth Championships in Senegal was a timely wake-up call and that today's clash with Mali is a must-win. The South African under-20 national team crashed to a disappointing 2-0 defeat to the West Africans in the opening match earlier this week. The Torrense FC linkman says the good thing about tonight's match is that no one needed to be motivated about it because coming out without anything would mean an early departure from the tournament. Captain of the team, Mamelodi Sundowns, Mojeka Madisha also knows it. It will be tough, but the team has no choice but to throw their bodies collectively on the line. The match between South Africa and Mali starts at 18.30 Central African time and will be followed by the Ghana vs. Zambia encounter. And Chelsea coach Jose Mourinho has blamed a mystifying loss of focus and confidence among his players for their shock elimination from the Champions League quarterfinals by 10 men Paris Saint-Germain last night. I think they deserve to win. Uh, when a team cannot defend two corners and concede two goals in a corner, a team doesn't, doesn't deserve to win. Uh, when a team cannot cope with the pressure of being with uh, one player more and play at home and um, the stadium doesn't accept the team to control the game, we want the team to, to win it, I think we couldn't, we couldn't cope with that, with that pressure. Under boxing news, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao share center stage at last night's news conference, kicking off their promotion of the upcoming mega fight. The long-awaited mega bout between Mayweather Jr. and Pacquiao, which has been more than five years in the making, will take place in Las Vegas on the 2nd of May. In the only news conference to be held by the two boxers before fight week, undefeated American Mayweather and eight-division world champion Pacquiao were respectful and sportsmanlike as they appeared on the stage to discuss a showdown that will decide the title of the world's best pound-for-pound fighter. May 2nd, the fight of the century. It's all about the best fighting the best. And Pacquiao is one of the best fighters of this era. And everything is about timing. And, you know, I think we couldn't choose a better time. You know, our game plan is just to be smart and take one fight at a time, like all 47 fights. Pacquiao, the holder of eight world titles, added that this is the fight the fans want to see. The fans of boxing, I think um, that is what are you waiting for since uh, five years ago. So I think uh, the fight is on and you're very excited. I know you're very excited and we're both of us, uh, we're going to um, uh, undergo a hard training. For this uh, this fight, and we 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 will do our best and and and, and May on May two to uh, to make you happy. Pearl Valley's Leanne Pace in golf says she has claimed her third Sunshine Ladies Tour title in the Super Sport Ladies Challenge with perfectly timed back-to-back birdies at the closing holes of Zwarkop Country Club in South Africa's capital city Pretoria. The world number 30 dashed Ashley Simon's hopes of back-to-back titles. Here's Lali Stander with the victorious Leon Pace. 
Back to back birdies and you're back with a bang. Yeah, it was a nice finish. Um, I didn't expect it because Kim and Ash was playing really well and Ash had a great shot out of the bunker. Uh, I just laid up and didn't need a great shot into the green, but you know, just all it takes is one putt. Um, not the easiest greens to putt on this week um, and it really tested your patience, but, uh, but unbelievably solid iron play and, and your short game is extremely sharp. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually hitting the ball really, really well, so it um, makes me excited for the rest of the season and also next week for the domestic cup if I can keep hitting the ball well like that, obviously um, I should play well. But yeah, a little bit frustrated with the greens, but happy to have pulled it through anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, worked really hard in the off-season to be ready at this time because I'm usually a little bit rusty at this time. But yeah, very happy about it. That's your sport news this hour. Well, that's how we wrap up our conversation. Thank you for joining us this hour here on African Dialogue. Remember, we do come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. So tomorrow we won't be with you. We'll be back on Monday. But remember, you can interact with us on Facebook. Channel Africa is our uh, Facebook page. Or you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1. SMS us your views as well at plus two seven eight two three. Three two five nine zero five. Let's end with the proverb of the day. This is a Senegalese proverb. I love this one. Before one replies, one must be present. Before one replies, one must be present. I think it's something that I have to get used to, kind of teach myself that, hey, I mustn't be too quick to actually respond. But, hey, that is a lesson of the day. But, hey, we're going to end the program with some Hugh Masikela uh, because he'll be headlining the uh, Cape Town International Jazz Festival. So what better way than to end it uh, with uh, his uh, Stimela? Enjoy your weekend because I won't see you tomorrow. And have a good time, Africa, and take care of yourself. Sí, claro.